Recorded live. Hello, everyone. My name is David Chandler, and welcome to another edition of Talk Shoe Radio Show. This is this is the uh, the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Tonight, I have a very special guest with me. He's a longtime personal friend of mine, somebody that I uh, admire greatly person that has great Bible knowledge, and a person that I uh, enjoy speaking with a lot, and his name is Nijiti Hawkins. Nijiti, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm there, bro. Oh, Too okay. much. I, I, I appreciate it, and, you know, I always get glory to God first. So, uh, hey, I, I appreciate it. I, I I really do enjoy talking to you as well, bro, for real. I think, well, how far we go back, like 10 years now? It's been that long? Uh, I don't know if it's been that. It's probably been around, uh, did I meet you on Black Planet? Yes, Black Planet. Uh, I think it was almost 10 years ago. Yeah, it's been that. Uh, I think it's been around. uh... Maybe for, uh, let's see. I know it's been a while. It's been over five to from maybe five ten years. I don't know. It's been I think a it's been around. <laughs> it's I think it's long. been around four or five years. But tonight, I want to talk about something that's very important, and it's name. It's called radicalism, and. Uh, you know, we, I'm pretty sure we have experienced this. We've come across uh, radicals, extremists, extremists, and uh, individuals that believe in things that are, you know, on the cusp of, you know, just well, radicalism, for lack of a better term to use, and. Um, you know, and, and I guess maybe I could go down uh, to, you know, give a, a brief historical account of what it is and where yeah. it comes from. The uh, a, a basic a, a basic definition for it is extreme. Well, yeah, uh, that that's you know the, the basic. Uh, definition of it, you know, without trying to talk over anybody's head, you know, whoever's listening. And, uh... <clears throat> oh, I thought you were going to say something. But, but, um... Yeah, we, we have a general consensus of what it is, and... Radicalism goes way back to, um, I guess, you know, the 60s. And the term radical is from the Latin word meaning root. And uh, it takes its roots back to the late 18th century. Uh, Historically, radicalism began in the United Kingdom with political support uh, which is, you know, we we all know uh, this to be 
political radicalism. And mm-hmm. this uh, dates back to the 1870s, around 1871. And um, as historical radicalism began absorbed in the development of political liberalism in the late 19th century in both the United Kingdom and the continent of Europe, the term radical came to denote a progressive liberal ideology. And we can go back to 19, the, the 1917 with the uh, Bolshevik, you know, the communist Bolsheviks uh, during the 1960s with black power movement, a lot of the black power mo- uh, groups such as um, the, you know, Marcus Garvey, uh, you know, Malcolm X, uh, I guess you could call Martin Luther King a, a, a radical but they were all in support of the... And I'm going to go back to the definition of what radicalism is. Radicalism basically means to... is is a basic, you know, civil disobedience against the established order. And, And what I mean by established order is the established order of government or the established order of what's oppressing the black man or what's oppressing the man or the individuals of the have-nots. And um, now, for as far as theological radical, radicalism, theological radical, radicalism is something that we see now uh, we see uh, this in a lot of Christian churches with, um, you know, Baptist churches, especially with the IBFs, fundamentalism, fundamental Baptists. You know, there are fundamental Baptist churches that teach the Word of God, but there are some fundamental churches that don't, or they go to the extreme, one one of which is Westboro Baptist Church. And yeah. there's another individual by the name of Stephen Anderson who uh, pastors a church out in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Hey, Dave. And, yes. Uh, before you go on, uh, you said something that kind of stood out to me. Uh, you said that there's a political radicalism, and then you said there's a theological radicalism. And, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to jump back into this, but we're going to come back to it uh, somewhere mm-hmm. down in the hour as to how these two forms of radicalism has merged together and we see it today in a lot of these extremist groups. I just wanted to throw that up. Oh, so do do you want me to explain both and kind of correlate the two movements? Uh, No, just, just continue as you were, bro. Oh, well, uh, radical orthodoxy uh, is a Christian theological and philosophical school of thought which makes use of what is called postmodern philosophy. Now, I don't think Stephen Anderson fits this bill, but uh, Stephen Anderson kind of goes overboard with his beliefs, and uh, he is... A, by all intents and purposes, an extremist. 
Now, what makes him an extremist? Well, he uh, teaches that homosexuals can't be saved. And not only can, you know, he has a... He has an, um, a problem with his uh, soteriology, and what what that is is, is is salvation, the doctrine of salvation, and and any radical, any cult, or any fringe group or fringe Christian sect that uh, claims to be Christian or claims to adhere to the Christian to Christian orthodoxy, the, 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 the teachings of Jesus Christ, but they stray away or they lean away, you know, they, they kind of deviate from the essentials of Christian doctrine is what we call a sect and, and that's or a cult, and that's what Stephen Anderson is. Stephen Anderson does not teach um, sound doctrine. You know, he's uh, very, very but radical... Man. Uh-huh. Let me ask this, Dave. Um as far as as far as his his claim or his belief is that homosexuals can't be saved, um, could you be a little more clear as to what he means by they can't be saved? Uh because well, the way the way the way I'm thinking about it, the way it sounds to me and and it, I can only speak for myself. It would sound like uh, two things. One, he is saying that people who practice in homosexuality uh, could never be saved if they continue in homosexuality or in that lifestyle. Or it sounds like he's saying that no matter if if they repent of their sins, they still can't be saved. So what what angle is he coming from? Well, he's saying that they can't be saved at all, and they're not allowed in his church. Um, they believe he, he believes that um, they're reprobates. Um, so, if they're reprobates, then they can't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, he he says that um, anybody can be saved except homosexuals. And so he won't even witness to them. He won't share the gospel with them at all. And anybody that disagrees with him is a reprobate as well. And he, not only does he not believe that homosexuals can be saved, but he doesn't believe, he doesn't like women too much. And what I mean by this is that I've heard Anderson say that he will not allow a male gynecologist to examine his wife. And so if he's examining his wife, then obviously he has some impure thoughts. So he says, and this is his own testimony, he said he said this in front of the, his entire congregation. He, he, if he said if his he said if his son came home and said, "Dad, I wanted to be a gyne- I want to be a gynecologist." He would beat him up. And oh, tell him to get out of his house. Beat him up. Yep. You mean like punches to the face and all of that? Yeah, he would physically assault his son. Hmm. Yeah. He is, so that, that sounds extreme. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but he uh, he has said that he has preached a sermon 
on his hatred for Barack Obama and how he can use scripture to back up his claims that he should hate Barack Obama. Well, you don't like the person's views. Well, no, I hate the person. Well, you don't like what he stands for. No, I hate him. And I'm like, well, why are you calling yourself a pastor? He he does not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in his life at all. And that's dangerous. He said he hates the person? Yeah, he hates Barack Obama. That's what he said. And he said that God told him, or, you know, God uh, wants him to say this, and God only God also wants him to say that he wishes that Barack Obama would die of brain cancer. That's kind of like the West Baptist borough uh, uh, philosophy, too. And I know in First John 3.15 it says that whosoever hates is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, uh, apparently he's not reading the scriptures as well. Oh. But he has a church out there in Arizona uh, called Faithful Word Baptist Church. You know, he does not believe in the pre-tribulational rapture at all. As a matter of fact, he did a... um, a YouTube video. He he did a a documentary with none other, none other than Alex Jones. Now Alex Jones is not saved, and so one would ask, well, what's a pastor doing working alongside an unbeliever? Right. You know, to to get across biblical truth, to 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 spread biblical truth. If if you're uh, if you're trying to, if your goal is to, you know, get the truth out there, then, well, not just any truth, but the, the truth of, of, of God, then why would you stand side by side with an unbeliever? Right. Again, the scriptures say have no fellowship with the works of darkness. How can... Uh, what does light have to do with darkness? So, again, is another example of how they are not reading the scriptures. And you know what? And thinking about what you were saying earlier, you know what I'm saying? When people, when people fall into this radical lifestyle, whether it be political or whether it be uh, 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 religiously, it causes them in both groups to physically act out their frustration on other people. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, uh, like the DHR, the ISUK, Israel um, School of something. I don't even try to remember their names, but... Mm-mm. Oh, what? what it, who? <laughs> <laughs> they, they are so angry at the world well, actually, they're they're so angry at white people and anybody that's not of color, which is actually what we would look at as reverse reverse racism. Um, they stand out on the corners. They yell at white people. They call them Edomites. Yep, uh, I've, I've they, heard that, and I've seen they, it too. 
yeah. I mean, you, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, <clears throat> they call, call them the seed of the serpent. They call them serpentine. They call them every, every name out of the, you know what I'm saying, any, every cuss word that they can think of. And uh, I've, I've, I've even seen YouTube videos of these guys. And, you know what I'm saying, I don't believe the YouTube videos could be edited or anything like that because I've stood in front of them plenty of times and witnessed them do the same thing by telling white people they're going to be slaves. You know what I'm saying? The white people are going to be slaves and they're going to rape, they're going to rape, rape them the same way they raped us and so on and so on. So that was another point that I was trying to get out uh, in the beginning when you were talking about how radicalism affects the political realm and also the religious realm, and how today, you know what I'm saying, this is, this is we're seeing it in the, in the area of socialism, communism, uh, you see people like the NOI, and uh, the NOI, the Nation of Islam, they would support a communist government because, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the entitlement mindset of a lot of black people, I hate to say it, uh, causes them to believe that the government owes them something, and and that to take everything away from them because the government do owe us a lot. So actually, actually no, it's actually the other way around. We owe the government, and that's because of the Federal Reserve Act. But that's a different discussion. But it's a component of this discussion because. It's pushing us to that radical political system of communism. And we know from the scriptures that the beast, and there, there's a beast, which is the political system, and there is a woman, the, uh, uh, the whore of Babylon, who is the religious system. And she rides this beast, which tells us that Sometime in the future, even now, we are starting to see the merger of these two radical fundamentalist movements. And well, they, uh, they, I don't even know where that came from, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's the entire um, crux of the radical ideology. It, it says here on my outline, it has been shown that radicalism has its root origins and permanent focus of appeal in the socially displaced strata of society. Although this phenomenon is probably not present in every form of, or instance of radicalism, it is immensely important of the social structure of radicalism. The socially eccentric locus of origin of radicalism appears to be a particularly auspicious perspective for the deliberate appraisal of the ordinarily taken for granted texture of everyday life, and it has and it may be that man's consciousness of himself and of the world around him is the assimilated aggregate of past and forgotten radicalizations. In other words, radicalism is a form of civilized disobedience to an established order due to perceived abuse or mistreatment. And I state here, I think all of the black power movements of the 1960s I think of all of the black move, uh, black power movement of the 1960s. They believe white supremacy was holding the black man down, 
So they marched and burned down buildings, caused riots, held on to doctrines, albeit not biblical, that white capitalism was indeed racist. This was one of the reasons for social for uh, socialism flourishing. All right. Hey, From what okay. we read... It, oh. Now, okay. I want to stop you here because um, I agree 100% on what you saying. We also want to include that uh, where you say radicalism is, is formed of uh, civilized disobedience. I believe that. I believe that because that's what it, that's what they want. That's what is that's what they need because this new world order must be established, and the only way to do that is to create chaos, civilized disobedience. Uh, even the Bible says about the Antichrist that he is the lawless one. You see what I'm saying? He brings mm-hmm. lawlessness. Now. As you and you already said, it was to establish uh, establish order due to perceived abuse or mistreatment. Now we know it's a known fact. Now I would never sit here and uh, deny what has happened to black people at the hands of white people. But what I will not do is uh, hold every white person accountable for what happened in the past. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I do understand that some form of, uh, of racism, racism against black people uh, in America still exists. At the same time, we are not doing, uh, we're not helping the situation because we are constantly, constantly destroying ourselves, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So couple that with the... Uh, Couple that with a conspiracy and the actual thing, and it's like it's, sometimes it's hard. It's like a knot, and you're trying to untie this knot, but it's, it's tangled up in so many areas that sometimes it's hard to see uh, where the string begins and where the string ends. Well, my main point is that. You know what I'm saying? What what's going on today is that they are using radicalism to uh, bring about a civil disobedience in this country, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're using that perceived abuse or mistreatment to uh, as the vehicle to move it forward. Yeah, it's it's uh, the Hegelian dialectic. Uh, I don't know if well, of course you're you're aware of what George Hegel was. Who George Hegel was? He was a um, philosopher, and he uh, constructed this belief system known as the Hegelian dialectic. And the Hegelian the Hegelian dialectic consists of three tenets. It's Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And what Hegel, uh, and and let me explain what those three tenets mean before I go on. Um, Thesis, 
is, okay, you come to me saying, you know what, David, um, I think that abortion should be made legal. I come to you and I say to you, Najiti, I don't think so because I think abortion is murder, according to the word of God. And then we get into it. We start debating. And so these are two vastly different viewpoints colliding. That's uh, antithesis or antithesis. So pretty soon, over a period of time, you're going to get me to side with you. On that very um, that that very viewpoint, and and that's not just you. That's this just people that believe like you. You know, you've got the entire culture now that believe in the culture of death, and so as a result of that, there's going to come a merging of those two vastly different viewpoints. You know, and it's going to cause a thesis or or a, a thesis uh, is, is going to cause a um, synthesis, okay. which is a synchronous, it's called a synchronization of two uh, broadly different viewpoints, two, philo- two entirely different philosophies syncretizing together to formulate a synthesis. And, and, and we see this, we see evidence of this now, and I'm going to use scripture to back up. You mentioned the, the New World Order, and you mentioned the beast, the woman that rides the beast. That's, that, that's Revelation chapter 17. Amen. And I'm going to turn there right now. Um, thank God for this new Bible. The other Bible, I would have been still searching for it. But... um. Hey, you know what? I went and bought a new Bible today. <laughs> yeah, the, the Bible that I have sitting on my computer is just done. It's it's saying to me, David, I know I am the... It, well, it's not saying to me that, but it, it's okay. it's just done. It's missing pages. Stick a fork it, it's done. Yeah, you know, it, it's mi- missing pages. It doesn't even have a cover on it anymore. Hey, and I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm missing... Genesis as I'm missing a, a part of Genesis and I'm missing the whole book of Revelation out of this book. The whole book? Yeah, I can't find it. <laughs> wow. I'm missing the whole cover of the Bible and most of the pages are all scrunched up. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to use that anymore. But um, <laughs> Revelation chapter 17, and I'm probably, yeah, I might as well just begin at the very first verse. And then, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come, come hither, and I will show you the, I will show unto thee the judgments of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, of course, you know in Bible prophecy, the word waters means a population of people, right. you know, kindreds, nations, and tongues. That's that's the waters. That that's what that means and okay verse 2 with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names blasphemy of blasphemy having, having seven heads and ten horns 
and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, and I'm going to stop here. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Now, this is... Now, verse now now chapter eighteen is political Babylon. Um, it's a uh, and it, it, you know verse eighteen, and I'm going to start at verse the uh, very first verse. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth lightened with its glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, "Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and it's become the habitation of devils." and the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her wrath, of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now I see China becoming the mecca, or should I say the economic mecca of the world. Um... and we borrow everything from China. We, whether it's not food, but whether it's uh, vehicles, whether it's uh, you know computers, tables, anything that you can think of, we, we're borrowing it from them. Even the dollar. And this is how we're able to afford to pay our bills. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, China owns. Billions of dollars of our debt. Yep. So Obama is, and this is why Obama is chatting with all these dictators like Ahmadinejad and and Putin and all of these other guys because the euro is about to be established. Now, how does this have anything to do with radicalism? Oh, it does. I want you to check out Saul Alinsky. And before you get into the book, you know, you, you turn to his preface, and there's a very interesting statement that was there in the very beginning of the book. And as soon as I find it, I'm going to read it to you, just to, you know, so you won't think that I'm crazy. So while you're looking for that, um, think about the current, the, the current economic crisis across these, you know, with Greece. Last time I checked, Greece was in bank, they were bankrupt, and the European Union, or the international bankers, are telling them that they only loan them money for their uh, government if they follow certain guidelines. Uh, Even China now is having some economic issues and I do believe because they are holding so much of our debt. And it's like, they, they have our debt, and if they have our debt, then that means that uh, they're not really holding anything. The only thing they're holding is us as slaves because America practically owes them so much debt. However, when it comes to China's economic uh, situation. I've even seen reports where China was 
thinking about releasing the U.S. dollar and uh, joining, uh, joining with even more of the euros, like you said. Hmm. I found it. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, but I, I found it. Uh, I, I looked on Amazon.com and I found the book, Rules for Radicals. Now, before I get to what uh, get, I, I'm going to read, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read everything that's uh, written here. Let them call me rebel and welcome. I feel no concern from it, but I should suffer the mystery of devils where I to make a whore of my soul. And this was written by Thomas Paine, who was the author of Age of Reason. Uh And he was very integral in the founding of America. Uh, He was one of the enlightened thinkers during the... uh, the founding of America, and here it is here, Let, lest we forget at least over an, an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement of the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. So Saul Alinsky was a radical. He was a uh, a socialist. Um, He gave Obama the ideas of how to be a a community organizer. Um, So did uh, a lot of people that were instrumental in his life. His mother, who was a a radical. Uh, The guy, Frank Marshall Davis, was a radical. He was a part of the communist Party USA and uh, Jeremiah Wright, another radical. Uh, all of these people were instrumental in his upbringing, and so Obama is, you know, he had eight. Well, he's had six years to to uh, implement all of his radical ideas into our country, into what we call American culture, and so now. Here we are. You know, here we are. And so uh, we see that the devil was the first radical that tried to revolt against the establishment. Well, God, you know, he wanted to be like God. Uh, Isaiah fourteen twelve bears this out. He wanted, not only did he want to be like God, but he wanted to be worshipped. Right. So, right. So wouldn't it be safe to say that Satan was behind all of this, all these radical movements that 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 we just got finished discussing? Yeah, and you know, I was um, waiting for you to finish because we we will most definitely have to add in the, the Nimrod factor. The, the the what factor? The Nimrod factor. Oh, Genesis ten. Yes, you know his, his kingdom was much like what we're talking about now. Uh, a, a radical, it was a very radical um, uh, government. Um, I want to read something from Jonathan Gray. I I read his book. 
if I can find it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I read several of Mr. Jonathan Gray's books, and they are very informative when it comes to the history uh, shortly after the flood. Because Mr. Jonathan Gray, he's, a, uh, he's an archaeologist and an author. Uh, let me read his profile if I can find it real quick. Let me find Mr. Jonathan Gray. I can't find find it right now, but he has an article and it's, it's at a website called BeforeUs.com. And it talks about the Egypt uh, the Egyptian ancient gods, the bizarre origin. He says the their bizarre origin will amaze you. Now, uh let's go down. I'm gonna try to find the okay. Here's what he says about Nimrod. The first player was was a man called Nimrod. First the uh let me go to the Bible and read it first. Give me a second. Pull it up. Okay, Nimrod. All right. So in Genesis 10, mm-hmm. first, first All right, let me... Give me a second while I am able to find it. Genesis Genesis chapter 10, verses what? Verse 8. Oh, verse 8. Okay. All right. Now, he says here, And Cush begat Nimrod. Mm -hmm. We all know know that Cush is the son of Ham. Ham is the son of Noah. Right. So it's, again, in verse 8, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Mm-hmm. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, or Babel. And Eric and Akkad come in the land of Shinar. <clears throat> All right, I'll stop there. So we know the geographical location of his first kingdom, which is Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, Kelna, in the land of Sinar. That land today is currently the modern land of uh, Iraq. So this is where this man was from, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what does it mean? Uh, this Jonathan Gray focuses in on uh, Nimrod, and this is what he says about Nimrod during the time after the flood. Uh, He says, the first person was a man called Nimrod. If you have studied the very early history of the the Middle East, that's exactly where Iraq is is located, you Mm -hmm. you may be aware that wild beasts were multiplying faster than humans. They were also fierce and terrified and uh, straggling, uh, straggling population. Does, uh, Jonathan Gray continues, he says, does the name Nimrod ring a bell? 
she was the most famous character in that time known in prehistory. I remember the Bible said that Nimrod was called the mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Jonathan, uh, Mr. Gray, he continues. He says, Nimrod trained bands of men in ancient Turkey to hunt down the wild beasts. He gained fame by subduing the horse. He also subdued the leopard and used it for hunting. Mm-hmm. Nimrod's name as subduer of the leopard. He and his bands also used dogs for hunting. Anyway, Nimrod gathered the inhabitants together in Moses and surrounded them with walls. So he created uh he created walled cities. Now if we go back to the Bible, it tells us that those walled cities, the beginning of those cities were in Babel, Akkad, Kalna, etc. All right, going back to what uh, Mr. Gray has said here, he says Nimrod gathered inhabitants together in masses and surrounded them with walls for security against the wild beasts. The first of such villages was Babel on the plains of the Mesopotamia. You see this? Mm-hmm. Now, people, people get a little nervous when you uh, resource uh, when you have resources outside of the Bible. And I tell them like this: if this, if a person is saying something that coincides with what the Bible says, then I accept it. But if it says something totally different and it contradicts, mm-hmm. rejecting it. And I'm hearing a lot of static in the background. Static. Uh, let, let me let, let me see if I can uh, turn my fan off. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm gonna continue. All right. So he said the people definitely regard as an educator or a deliverer. They considered themselves in debt to him for freeing them from the fear of the wild beast. His name gained renown. He was a renown. Like, even uh, if you read, now I'm, I'm going to show you something, Dave, that mm-hmm. uh, I stumbled across. Somebody pointed it out to me, or not person, somebody didn't point it out, but I heard somebody talking about it, and it caught my attention when it talks about Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, whereas it said Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Hold up, Nimrod. Okay, here it is, verse 8. And Chris begat Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one. Now, where it says mighty one, the Hebrew word used there is called Gibor. Mm-hmm. Gibor. And it means uh, a mighty man, uh, it means mighty, mighty man, uh, valiant, uh, mighties. I'm sorry, not mighties, uh, mites, upright man, champion, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. I discovered, I discovered that. <clears throat> check this out. I discovered that. What's the uh, Goliath? Goliath was called a champion. He was called a Gabora. So it makes me think that something 
happened with Nimrod where he became uh, something else, like DNA-wise. But I'm, I'm just throwing that in there because thinking about the fame that he rose to, if, we were, if you remember, prior to the flood, it was the giant and the men of renown. You see what I'm saying? There were mighty men back then, and we know how they became mighty men. They were Nephilim, but I'm not saying that Nimrod is a Nephilim. I'm just saying that he acquired the same type of characteristics as the men of renown prior to the flood. But I'm going to continue with Mr. Uh, Mr. Gray. Mm-hmm. We're, almost done. We're almost done. All right. Now, he says, you would probably call him a hero. Well, he was at first. That What he, what he just said there, uh, he's he's uh, he's saying that Nimrod in the beginning, in his beginnings, was a righteous man. He was a good man, but something happened, and that would go along with what the Book of Jubilees uh, said. If you've ever read it, again, Book of Jubilees is one of those books where uh, where I take it with a grain of salt. If it don't, if it contradicts what the Bible says, I reject it. If it right. agrees with what the Bible says, I accept it. But mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying some information is just like you know, it is what it is. And in the Book of Jubilees, it says that Nimrod, and I believe in the Book of Jasher as well, it says that Nimrod was a righteous man before God, and God used him to protect the people, but he became full of pride, and then he became a dictator. You see where we're going here? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. It says, uh, you would probably call him a hero. Well, he was at first. However, not content with delivering them from the fears of the beast, Nimrod went one step further. He set out to free the people from the tyranny, as he called it, of God. Now, Bible says, oh, now he, he, he became a mighty hunter before the Lord. And God says in the commandments, he says, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So when I see that word before, it tells me that, you know, something false in his presence. Like, don't, don't even bring it in his presence. Don't even acknowledge it. But here we have Nimrod, who is called the mighty hunter before the Lord. So I'm looking at that as a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. All right, so he continues. He says, you see, there had there had been a devastating flood, and he blamed God for this and for the resulting danger from ravenous, ravenous beasts. So in other words, he he bl- he's blaming God. Now Josephus uh, also said that Nimrod was not content with uh, having the people ascribe all of their <clears throat> all of their uh, wealth and and prosperity to themselves. He took it from them, and he became the object of their. Uh, prosperity. So he became a tyrant. That's what Josephus said. Hmm. 
and the last sentence, <clears throat> the last sentence, Mr. Gray says, if you didn't know, it was Nimrod who built the first walled city. These were for protection against the wild beasts, and for this act, he gained the title of deliverer. Okay, so the first thing it makes me think about is the only deliverer that we know of from Scripture is Jesus Christ. Right. So Nimrod would have been a foreshadow or a type and shadow of the Antichrist, who is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now yep. thinking about thinking about these uh this this radicalism, as you can see, as you can see on the political side, this is how he did it. He he gave them a uh, he he. He appeared as uh, as a righteous man, and then later on, he uh, he became evil. And at first, he's telling people, and I'm just putting it in layman terms. You know, he's like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, he's like, excuse me, there's some cars going by. <clears throat> so, anyways, oh, he must you know, be outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, look, uh, all this stuff, y'all, y'all work for this. This is y'all, y'all hand. We all did this. We didn't need mm-hmm. no God. We didn't need him. As a matter of fact, he the reason why the animals are running around here eating everybody. It's his fault. How can mm-hmm. you serve like that? You know what? Worship yourselves. That's what was taught from the beginning, anyway. Be your own God, and seeing that some wouldn't comply, now it's, okay, I'm your God. I'm the reason why you got all this. I'm the reason why y'all were saved from, and uh, from, saved from the animals. And in actuality, a lot of them were in uh, agreement. They were of one mind. That's what, right. Genesis, that's what Genesis 11 says uh, concerning the Tower of Babel. You know what I'm saying? Like, the world was under one speech, and in mm-hmm. Shinehart, and they built, uh, they baked bricks, and they used slime for mortar, and they started to build this tower. Now, in uh, the Book of Jubilees, and the Book of Enoch, I believe, and also the Book of Jasher, and uh, they all, well, all three of these books agree with one another about the construction and the reason why. It was because Nimrod wanted to build a tower just in case God wanted to flood the world again. And on top of that, some him and some of his minions were going to attempt to uh, build a tower high enough. Well, I'm going to say this now, high enough to reach heaven so that they yep. could fight, so that they could fight God and revenge themselves for, on uh, God for him destroying their ancestors. That was the main purpose of the uh, building of the Tower of Babel. Now, we're going to revisit that, David, as we go through the rest of this discussion uh, because it's relevant today about what happened. And there are some things about our ancient uh, ancestors that 
a lot of people don't want us to know, you know what I'm saying, and it's very relevant today because the same thing is about to take place, and it's right under our under our noses. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I was just gonna uh, add to that with uh, Genesis six four. You know, he, he talks. You know, he talks about. Um, you know, very, pretty much the same thing that you were just got finished talking to me about. And it says uh, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they, they bare children to them, the same became man, mighty men which were of old, men of renown or men of renown. And so I guess what that past, that, that particular verse is saying, and I heard G, you know, G. Craig Lewis explain this, but... He was saying that after the flood, these beings came down because, the, and they're not beings from Mars, but these beings were inhabiting the sons of of, of men, the, the you know the daughters of men, or you know, well, they, they were inhabiting these people, and. I believe that they were looking... For instance, how in the world were they able to build those pyramids? They didn't right. have in the, any of those... They, they weren't going through a, a huge technological burst like we are now. They didn't have the technology to build any of those pyramids. How were they able to build, build brick by brick? How were they able to do that? How were they able to come... Into contact, well, I, I guess hieroglyphics didn't come around until later, but how were they able to do that? How were they able to to perform these? And, and you know how difficult it is to do that math to build a pyramid from a, you know mathematically. Yeah. You know how were they able to do that? How were they able to build? Uh, and, and then look at Genesis chapter eleven. You know Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. How how was Nimrod able to? build this tower from the ground up and he said he wanted to to you know the man said let's build this tower that it may reach heaven how was he able to do that mm-hmm. they didn't have you know, we 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 sit around and we boast about having multiple degrees from different universities, and I got a degree in social work, but I got a degree in theology. Well, I've got a degree in biology. Well, I've got a degree in it. But you're nowhere near as intelligent as those men were back in during these, you know, in, in, during these days. But they were all inhabited by evil spirits. And these men came across to the daughters of men and they created giants. Mhm. You know, these angels met with the daughters of men and they created giants. Now, this now the word giant in this context might I I don't know maybe you you, you may agree with me. I'm not sure, but I I I visited I studied this this uh particular verse and I'm saying, and I came to the conclusion that, you know, it wasn't just giant in stature. They weren't just giants from a, you know, a statuesque 
perspective. They were uh, powerful men, well known. You know, they they were had the fame. They they were, you know, great men. And what? I'm sorry. Oh no, I was I was agreeing. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, they they were great men, and so they were able to do great things. So Nimrod wasn't a Nephilim. Nimrod wasn't a giant, but he was able to cre- to to do great things, build a tower. Him, you know, and all his followers were able to build this tower to reach into heaven. And so he was one of the first radicals. Bingo. And so, and, and honestly, that's the most important uh, part about it, about this discussion, yeah, with, with Nimrod, he was one of the first uh, radicals, and um, this whole concept of him building a tower, earlier what I was saying about about that, about our ancient ancestors is that they, like you said, you know, they had the, I'm, I'm willing to bet they had the IQ a uh, hundred times, a hundred times greater than what the highest IQ is today, and the example is shown in what you just said. The period, I mean, the pyramid. It's a perfect pie, as they say. The measurements equal out to a perfect pie, and mm-hmm. the inner structure of it is even more amazing because we have a building that is. Uh, larger than it is, you know, in 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 size, is bigger than the Empire State Building, and is made out of complete stone. But it has shafts and rooms and pathways, and and all these pathways lead uh, to something for a specific purpose. And all this time, they've been telling people, "Oh, the king, the Pharaoh Khufu, had it built." as a burial mound or something like that. But in actuality, the the newer, fresher faces out there in the archaeological fields are discovering that the pyramids were used for some type of energy source. If you think about that, if our ancestors were able to build a large monument with preciseness for the sole purpose of harnessing energy, that tells me I need to look at the Tower of Babel in a different perspective. And what has happened, Dave, is this thing called CERN. And that's why I say the Tower of Babel is is revisited because when we when we hear about Nimrod building tower and his goal was to fight God, avenge himself on God and things of that nature. We're like, you know, did he really think he was going to build a tower that way up in the sky? He probably would have froze to death by the time he got up there. You know what I'm saying? But there was something else taking place at that tower. And I do believe that CERN is the key to understanding what was taking place 
at the Tower of Babel. God, we know, lives in another dimension. He's outside of time. We also know that the angels, the spiritual beings, not the demons, but the demons can travel between uh, our dimension and their dimension. So we have different dimensions, and God lives outside of all of these dimensions because he's not affected by time. He's not, there's no time where he's at. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So CERN, I, I think it's called the uh, something, the, the colloidal CERN. Uh, it, it, anyways, what it does, it takes particles and it shoots them in a circumference of about 17 miles. The circumference mm-hmm. is about 17 miles. And they keep two particles in uh, the opposite direction so they are meet up at a point. They've done it one time, and what happened is they created a mini black hole for a, a microsecond. They believe that there's something behind that black hole. So they've been planning to do another experiment. But you know what they call it? Guess what they call it, Dave? What? The Nimrod Project. Really? Yes. So if they are experimenting with colliding particles together, opening up black holes, which could lead to a different dimension. And we know that spiritual beings are, are, one, are in different dimensions. We also know that God lives outside a different dimension. What exactly was Nimrod trying to do? Because even God said that, behold, these people are one. And this thing they begin to do, Oh, my goodness. Even God knew if he allowed that to happen. And some people, like, I've seen very disrespectful memes that mock God and say, oh, what kind of God would cause everybody to speak the same language uh, because he was afraid of a, of a little fight? But I'm well, that's thinking ridiculous. Myself, right. But I'm thinking to myself, he didn't, he, God didn't confuse man's language for his sake. He did it for man's sake because if they would have opened up a portal, if that was the case at the Tower of Babel, and they met God face to face, how many people, how many times have you heard people say, oh, am I dead, man, for I have seen the living one. I fell at his feet as a dead man. I seen the king. For he knew, and another scripture. For he knew that he had. He said. He said. Uh, uh like who was it? Uh, Sam, not Samuel. Saul, not Saul. The who's the Nazarite with the hair? Who's the Nazarite with the hair? Help me out. The, the Nazarite, Nazarite with the hair. Oh, Sam Samson. Samson, there you go. Samson, his parents, they were talking to God, a, a Christophany or a Theophany. 
and he visited them and told them that they was going to have a child. And they didn't know it was the Lord until when they lit the fire for the offering and the Lord ascended up in the flame with it. And they both knew, they was like, uh, they thought that they were going to die because they had seen God. Mm-hmm. If they would have opened up the portal at the Tower of Babel, the same exact thing would have happened to them. They all would have died right there on the spot. That's mm-hmm. another reason I believe God placed a veil between heaven and earth to protect man from consuming to death mm-hmm. because we're incompatible with God. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I, I think with uh, – now, I, I want to take this from a biological perspective before we go on. Um, you look at verse uh, – I lost my place. Look at verse 6, you know, and there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, they bare children to them. Now, I'm going to stop right there. You know, our DNA is uh, composed – of millions and millions of genetic information. Right. You, you've got adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine. Now, our, uh, now, one drop of blood contains about maybe billions or, should I say, millions of strands of DNA. Now, our, our DNA structure was called, the word DNA, well, the acronym DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. And it's the building block of biological life. Now, we have, now I say genetics is very funny because, you know, cancer can mutate cells and, well, let, let me put it to you this way. Your body is composed of trillions of cells. You've got neurons. You've got uh, your immune system, which is con- uh, composed of white blood cells. Now, there are different types of white blood cells, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But if you get cancer, you know, every cell is supposed to do its job. You know, the cell is supposed to uh, go through what is called mitosis and meiosis. Mitosis is the splitting apart to make a new cell, and then you've got meiosis, which means that the, the, the cells are absorbing something. Okay. So when you have when you have cancer, all it needs is one cell to do something bad, and the one cell, all you need is one cell to just not follow the program. And then you've got what is called cancer. You know, you have a, a neoplasm, you have a neoplastic growth, which, and, and what neoplasm, what a neoplasm is, is new growth. You know, and neo means new, plasm means growth. You know, you're, you're, but that's what causes cancer. And cancer, you know, is a corruption of the cell. And that cell latches on to another cell or host cell, and it robs that cell of all of its nutrients. And so that cell 
latches onto another cell and it robs that cell of all of its nutrients. And so before you know it, the whole body is compromised. So I'm believe I'm thinking that when these angels, these fallen angels came to earth, something happened within the DNA structure. There was a corruption of man's DNA. And it caused something to take place. Now, uh, I believe that it was when these angels visited the daughters of men and had children. And that's when the DNA was corrupted. And so I believe that uh, I, I don't think anything about, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that this was the reason why there's cancer and all this. No. What I am saying is that these, the, these uh, the idea of uh, hybrids was the result of, and this is why they were able to build these, these, these pyramids and, and all that other stuff, you know, and Goliath. I'm sorry? Uh, I just said, there you go. You hit it right on the head, brother. Yeah. So there was a a corruption. There was a mutation, if you will. Now I'm going to get comic booky. There was a mutation in the DNA. It could have been a strand. It could have been one particular uh, portion of the DNA strand that was corrupted. Because that's all it needs to be done, and I'm going to look up DNA right now, and I'm going to tell you how um, yeah i'm I'm tracking a hundred percent right here, brother, but yeah you you find that a lot of and people just now finding finding under being able to understand the structure of your DNA you know, uh, medical t- technology, forensics, and things of that sort, they're, they're beginning, they can take one strand of your hair and analyze it and find out who you are and how old you are, your height, weight, hair color, all that. You know, where you were at the time of the crime. And I'm like, they can do that all from your DNA? So could you imagine what happened to man when these angels descended or were kicked out of heaven and they started to mate with the women and the women got pregnant and then they ended up having children and so these children when they grew up when they become adu- when they became adults they were able to do all kinds of things i don't know what they looked like i'm pretty sure they were i don't know well, I, I guess maybe they were average looking but they were giants oh man let me let me pull up one of my another one of my resources bro cuz i had um like what I start doing is anytime uh, I'm tailored to my resources because I was told that I just be speaking stuff out of the air and it's good mm-hmm. to you know to let people know who my resources are so that mm-hmm. you know, people won't think I'm crazy I guess <laughs> but uh, let's see but uh, before you, while you're doing that I, I want to go go on a little bit more and and um and then you can just jump right in uh of course you know DNA stores biological information um well let me go let me go back uh the, the, of course DNA you know is a molecule 
you know, that stores or carries most of genetic of the genetic instructions used in the development, functioning, and rep- reproduction of all living organisms and many viruses. You know, instead of viruses using DNA, they use RNA, which is ribonucleic acid, and they use transfer RNA to inject their corrupt information into the cell. So what I'm thinking is when these angels came to Earth and they impregnated the daughters of men, they injected their genetic information because they're men now. These angels are in the form of men. So if they have if they're men, then they have all the parts, right? Let's look at, you know, the angels that were visit, visiting Lot and his family. They weren't incorporeal. They were men. They came as men. They they were staying in the house and the homosexuals that surrounded the house wanted them to come out so they can have relations with them. So how were they able to have relations with them if they weren't if they were incorporeal? So this is what happened with the fallen angels, these demons, the net, the, the, these fallen spirits that came that that were kicked out of heaven and they came down and they made it with the daughters of men and they impregnated them in their their their, their, their children's DNA, their seeds DNA or their offspring was corrupted. And how was it corrupted? Well, it, the the reproduction was corrupted. And, you know, each, you know, the DNA has what is called um, proteins and carbohydrates and macromolecules. Now, most DNA molecules contain two biopolymer strands coiled around each other to form a double helix. The two DNA strands are known as polynucleotides. Poly means many, since they are composed of simpler units called nucleotides. Now, each nucleotide contains or is composed of a uh, a nitrogen-containing nucleobase, which is called cytosine, guanine, adenine, or thymine. And the sugar is called deoxyribose. Anything ending in ose is a sugar. So you've got sucrose, you've got maltose. All of that is a a type of sugar. And so these, all of this... But biological information is key to what we are as people. So these angels corrupted that. Are are you there? Yeah, listening. Oh, so yeah, these angels they corrupted that, and so as a result, they were two halves of the person. They they were hybrids. Right. Uh, like he was pointing out, DNA pretty much is information. It's like, for instance, I'm pretty sure uh, I don't have to tell you, but for anybody else that will listen to this show, it's like when a mother and a father come together, husband and wife, or mother or father, you know how it is these days. When they come together and they conceive a child, the woman conceives, half of the information from the father is located in the sperm that he releases into the woman. And mm-hmm. once that one cell, and that's all a sperm is, is a cell, it reaches the egg, which contains half 
or what they call what twenty three twenty three uh, chromosomes. Uh, yeah, it's it's twenty it's twenty three is forty six pairs, which you know composes of twenty three chromosomes. Right. Twenty three so, for the mother, twenty three for the father. Exactly. Exactly. So, what will happen is once those two combine, you got your process of mitosis, division mm-hmm. of cells, and then the child is born nine months later. Well, what happened with the fallen angels, or the angels who came down to watch us, as Enoch calls them, uh, they they went in unto the women, uh, the daughters of men. Not They weren't the sons of Seth, as some people like to say. They were the daughters of men who are human, and the sons of God, in this case, are the angels of heaven. Now, if they, if they weren't made of the same type of DNA substance as we are, that means that they, they were made of something else. Hmm. So Paul makes... You know I love I love science, man, and I love when the Bible is referenced as uh, a, a, a science as a, as a science reference for something like this. Mm-hmm. Paul, says that, Paul says that there are celestial bodies, there are terrestrial bodies, there are different bodies, and you got the spiritual body, and you also have your carnal body. So we know that there are different bodies out there, and each type of body is made up. If, if the DNA is just it's just information. There's a different code of information that makes up each and every uh, diverse body, whether it's celestial or terrestrial. Paul says that. Now, if these angels are not terrestrial, meaning from the earth, but celestial, meaning from heaven, and they came to earth and made it with the women, that means that whatever half of the information what was in them would have been in the children born to the daughters of men, which the Bible refers to them as the Nephilim. And that, mm-hmm. too, that too will be revisited, and I believe it's happening even now, uh, the, the the rise of the new Nephilim, a different type of hybrid human, is on its way. And I believe it's the mixing of uh, alien, we, we call it alien DNA now, but, mm-hmm. you know, we know it's uh, demonic DNA or uh, 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 celestial or other than Earth DNA for a lack of better words. Well, let me uh, get real technical since you brought this out in me. Um, (laughs) I I had to revisit my pre-med days. Um, Recombination involves the breakage and the rejoining of two chromosomes, male and female, to produce two rearranged chromosomes, M and F. I'm sorry, not male and female. but uh, And so... The, the DNA helix doesn't interact with other se- segments of the DNA. And in human cells, 
the different chromosomes even occupy separate areas in the nucleus called chromosome territories. So, you know, in in uh, I guess in in general speak, uh, genetic recombination occurs during sexual reproduction, and chromosomal crossover is when two DNA helix break off and a swap, and, and you know, and then they swap a section and then they rejoin. So that's the creation of a new person. That's genetic recombination. And this happens when the baby is being born, when the baby is being developed in the womb. You know, you, you've got the heart. You, cells are, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're growing and dividing, not at a rapid pace, but they're growing and dividing, and they're creating organs. They're creating the heart, lungs, they're creating blood vessels, they're creating the brain, they're creating uh, different types of, you know, there's seven systems in the body. You know, you've got the, the you know, the exocrine system, which is, uh, exo means out, you know, exit, you know, you, you, you walk out. And the endocrine system, endo means in or ex- intro or intracellular, which means hormones are being injected into the bloodstream to create a chemical tra- uh, change or a change in metabolism. Like, for instance, if you, your endocrine system, like your adrenaline, when you when adrenaline is pumped from your adrenal glands, that causes uh, it, first it enters the cells and it causes uh, changes. My, uh, uh, metab- you know, and changes in your metabolism. So, you you get stronger, you get faster. It's called the fight or flight. Your heart rate increases. You know, your pituitary located in the like in in the the the, the right above. It's that little pea-sized gland right at the base of your forehead, right in the middle of your forehead, as a matter of fact. And that's the master gland. They call that the master gland. It it, it produces. You mean the pineal gland? No, not the, pe- not, not the pineal gland. The pineal gland is different. The, pe- the, the, the pituitary gland. Okay. That the pituitary gland is known by physicians as the master gland. That, that, that is the one that produces growth, the GH hormone, which is growth hormone and all that other stuff. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, DNA is a very fantastic... Um, piece of information and it, and it and what you, what happens is that you know I just explained to you that re, uh, genetic recombination is when um it, it involves the breakage and rejoining of two chromosomes and to produce two rearranged chromosomes and so you know recombination allows chromosomes to exchange genetic information and produces new combinations of genes which increases the the efficiency of natural selection, which I don't believe in, and can be uh, important in the rapid evolution of new proteins. Genetic recombination also can be involved in DNA repair, particularly in cells' response to double-strand breaks. So cells are always dying. Uh-huh. So what happens with cells always... And this is what doctors are trying to, to, to figure out. 
how can we cure diseases if cells are always dying? Well, I know we can prevent cells from dying by, you know, uh, corrupting the DNA in some way. And how can we do that? Well, we can uh, take stem, you know, stem cells, and we can remake those cells or cause those cells to do something other than what they're supposed to do. So we can make man, you know, we can cure diseases by, you know, doing that. And we can cure diseases by not allow, you know, by eliminating damage to the DNA structure. And that should cure diseases like cystic uh, cystic fibrosis and other genetic diseases that I can't think of off the top of my head. But you know, this is this is what we're seeing. You know, the building blocks of DNA, as as I already uh, mentioned to you, are adenine, guanine, and cytosine and thymine. Yeah. And so, what doctors yeah, I, are trying? I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, so, so what so scientists are, are trying to figure out is how to. Uh, do this, and so they figured out. Okay, let's introduce nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. Little nano machines. Little nano machines we can inject into the person's bloodstream to rebuild cells and to tell the cells to more or less, uh, okay, rebuild itself. Let's tell the DNA to rebuild itself, and we can use this. And we can do this by uh, introducing a new form of technology known as nanotechnology. We've seen it in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? So, uh, so we're in the second hour. So are, are we going to talk about um, – let me look at my um, – my, uh, Outline here. Okay, we're in the second hour, so I guess we can talk about the occult and well, uh, occultic symbolism. Oh yeah, I'm gonna let you lead the charge uh, right now. I'm stuffing my face. I'm sorry. Oh okay. <laughs> so, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and 10 tells us what the occult is and where it originated from and um, what does practicing the occult entail. Now, I've already explained the last time we spoke what the Wiccan religion is. So I'm going to do that for all of our listeners. Uh, The Wiccan religion was started or made popular by a guy by the name of Gerald Gardner. And, um, but before I get into that, Wicca is a modern, it's modern paganism, is a modern pagan witchcraft religion. And it was developed in England during the first half of the 20th century and it was introduced to the public in 1954 by, of course, I just already told you, Gerald Gardner, who was a retired British civil servant. Wicca, draws upon diver, uh, upon a diverse or an eclectic sen- uh, set of a- ancient pagan and 20th century 
hermetic motives for its theological structure and ritual practice. So in other words, they draw on paganism or it's it's neo-paganism. And, and so Wicca can pretty much believe in anything that has anything to do with modern paganism. So did, uh, did he start it or is it another form of a of an ancient type of religion? Because, well, it was... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because for almost... You know how the Bible says there's nothing new upon the sun. Right. And I know that Nimrod, again, we always, I always have to go back to the Nimrod factors. Nimrod had them to worship the, 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 the earth, the elements of the earth. Uh, I believe it's in the book of Jasher where Nimrod confronts Abraham and he tells Abraham to worship the fire. Abraham responds and says, well, should I worship the water which puts out the fire? So I know that Wiccans, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I know they worship, uh, I believe they worship the elements of the earth. When, they do. Okay, like we got to move uh, that cartoon back in the day. Captain Planet, he's a hero. You, you know, earth, I, wind, water, fire, heart. Fire. By your powers combined, I am Captain. Why do I remember that so well? Right. Like, <sighs> us at an early age. See how the devil shows up. As an angel of light. Indeed. And I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that. Um, uh, let's see if I can find the verse here. Uh, and even since, just let every, any, everybody know, uh, oh. as we're talking, it may, it may seem like we're not focused on the object of the discussion, but we, pre, we are very much on par with radicalism because everything we're talking about deals with a radical, extreme idea that was birthed back in the ancient times and is taking place right now. Well, yeah, we we are. Um, All of this, like I told you before, Satan was the first radical. And he, um, you look at Isaiah chapter 14, he said that he, I will be like the Most High. So he was st- causing a revolt oh. in heaven. And as a result of that revolt, God kicked him out of heaven. God kicked him and a third of the angel population out of heaven. And as a result, he became Satan. He was fallen. But he, he, his power wasn't taken away from him. As a matter of fact, Satan has a kingdom. And, of course, his his power and his kingdom is going to be taken away from him when Christ comes back to set up his, you know, his kingdom on earth. Right. But he does have a kingdom. And, you know, uh, this is in Second Corinthians 4, verses 4, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not. You know, and so he has a kingdom and he has followers. And uh, I've explained this when you know uh, when, when I was studying when I was when we were talking about 
the music industry, and um, you know, we brought we we gave that a scriptural um, basis. If, uh, Ezekiel twenty eight, you know, Lucifer was made a musician. He was the head musician. He was a musician. And so, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it be logical to believe that he is using rock stars? rappers or whatever what have you to indoctrinate the culture in for which we live in with his doctrines with his beliefs with his worldview sex drugs and rock and roll that that that's the 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 the, the love of the flesh the, uh, the lust of the eye and the, the well the lust of the the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life and so Well, oh, yeah, you were gonna, you, you were gonna say something. Oh no, I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, well, you're, talking, you're talking about you talking about Lucifer and his fall, and he he has he has a, a, a temporary kingdom. And yeah, you're right. The Bible says that he was the god of this world, and he blinds the mind of of, of many from the gospel of Christ. He's mm-hmm. also the prince of the powers of the air. And you yep. remember that one time when he uh, he he tempted Jesus, what did he say to Jesus? He said, I'll give Matthew you all. Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to turn yeah, to there right said, now. <laughs> I'll show you the world power at one time. Give yep. it to me, and I can freely give it to whom I wish. You see yep. what I'm saying? So, yep. And notice Jesus didn't say that it wasn't true. Nope, sure him, didn't. He just told him, hey, get, get me, me behind. Get thee behind me. Yeah. So, so, yeah, even Jesus acknowledged the fact that Satan has power, but he doesn't have all power. Right. And this is what we have to keep in mind. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I don't want to sound cliche, but it's true. This is scripture. And so, 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, and no wonder for Satan, and marvel not, for Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. Mm -hmm. So why is it that all these rappers and all these rock stars are talking about being illuminated? Why is it that... um, uh, what, what, what's her name? Uh, the, the founder of the, of the uh, Theosophy, Blavatsky, is talking about the snake that giveth knowledge. Well, actually, that was Aleister Crowley. But, you know, um, Blavatsky alluded to that as well, you know, that Satan was the snake that giveth knowledge. You know what that takes us back to Genesis chapter 3? Yeah. And we should be as gods. You see, this right here, uh, this is also a component of what you was just talking about, DNA manipulation. Mm-hmm. Now, we can, now we can include evolution, another radical idea of, yeah. uh, of science. And the way that they want to force human evolution is to corrupt man's DNA. That's how it's going to happen. The, the rise of the Muslim, it happened once before, 
Satan was behind it. Like you said, he's the he's the first radical. He mm-hmm. pushes like a pyramid scheme. He's at the top with his one eye pushing all the orders down to the different levels. Yeah, all the 13 Illuminati families, the Illuminati bloodlines, that that's what that those the, the bricks in that pyramid represent and Satan is at the top. And so uh we believe that um you know all of these individuals you know and, and by the way I want to talk about something briefly um the Rothschilds believe that they are gods they they believe that they are actually gods they're not human they're gods on earth so you know they believe that since they uh own the money system they they own the money supply they are in charge of the the, the the, the, the money system, they believe that they can control, and they do in some respects because they uh, are, you know, they're controlling everything. You know, they're they're pretty much controlling any everything. And well, if you, the, uh, if you look at the Hebrew word Elohim, it can apply to God, the true God, or it can, it can apply to false gods and rulers of this world. Yeah, men of renown, just like I just got finished, we were talking about, you know, Genesis 6-4. Great men, you know, these were great men, and these angels, what were they, these these spirits, what were they looking for? They, They were looking for, they were looking to be great again. You know, Satan was prowling, you know, you look at the, the passage of scripture, you know, be sober, be vigilant for, um... You know, Satan is, you know, for for the devil is as of a roaring lion seeking whom he shall devour. Yeah. And so, you know, Job chapter 1, you look at Job chapter 1 and God, you know, Satan was in his presence and watch, you know, I want you to pay close attention to the, the, the dialogue between the two. God asked Satan... You know, where cometh thou? Oh, I'm just, you know, going here and there, you know. You know, so he's he was walking the earth. You know, uh-huh. and what was he looking for? He was looking for, you know, he, he was looking to be great again. And so he sends his, his followers, and his followers enters these, these followers enter these individuals, these men, so they, 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 you know, they can reach prominence again. You know, you look at Nimrod, you look at uh, Napoleon. I think that's what happened. I believe Satan possessed him whole heart, like whole his body. Everything. I believe Satan possessed him. And something happened with Nimrod. For I mean, different examples in the scriptures, the king of Tyre. Uh, uh, the king of Babylon, you know what I'm saying? Like, people who have this one-dimensional type thinking of these particular scriptures, to me, again, that's one of those, that's one of those uh, doctrines in people in, in a lot of trouble. They hard them. It's not a confirmation. People that like in the book of Ezekiel, 
the GT, you're, you're kind of cutting up. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Phone is dying. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, you know how enemy it is when you you expose him. He cut his phone off. <laughs> yeah, he he starts uh, getting mad, you know. Yeah. So as I was saying, we can't mitigate the fact that there is a spiritual ruler behind the physical rulers, and that's always been my stance. For people who don't believe that Ezekiel, Isaiah, is, and Isaiah is talking about Satan when he says, Oh, Lucifer, how art thou fallen from heaven? People who don't believe that he's talking to Lucifer, the anointed cherub, in Ezekiel 28. I mean, no human being has ever been called a cherub, but they will find every reason. That's my knowledge. Right. They find every reason to get out of admitting, hey, this is an angelic being. This is a this is a spiritual being who is called who is called king of a specific place. We know mm-hmm. Satan Satan can't do what God does. He can't be at all places at one time. So right. I believe he traveled back and forth from these different empires, some at the same time, you know what I'm saying, in existence like the Philistines, the uh the Philistines, the 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 Egyptians and the Assyrians, the the Persians, all of them, you know. I believe uh Satan traveled to and fro, like he said to God and Job to and fro, to and fro, and up and down in the earth. I believe he did that, literally. And, you know, when it comes to Nimrod, although the Bible doesn't, it doesn't say that Nimrod was possessed by the devil, but it does say he became a Gaborim, and a Gaborim is a champion, which means he had extraordinary strength apart from his counterparts from his humans, and even his height, you know, I know you said it, you don't really, uh, well, giants don't usually, or I won't say usually, but uh, the word giant doesn't always have to mention somebody with a high stature, but just somebody mighty, Um, Mm -hmm. and I agree to that as well, but there's a lot of, uh, there's like a few archaeological pieces that displays a man climbing up a tower and 
his stature is so much higher than all the other people. And when you think about when you think about two things, because we we can't we can't uh, we can't ignore these things. The lifespan was still somewhat high. It was much higher than it is now. People were still living to be 600 years old, 400. Yeah, up until after the flood, and then God cut the, the lifespan to 70 years. Yeah, but after, that's what I'm saying. After the flood, like Noah lived, Noah lived like 300 more years after the flood. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth. Seth, not Seth, but Shem. Shem lived for like 300, 400 years old. Uh, yeah. So even after the flood, these people, some of these people were still living long, long lives. And I also believe this is where the ancient, uh, where the concept of ancestor worship took place as well, because here you have Egyptology, right? Yeah, and, and I'm gonna uh, cut, uh, you know, add to that because I'm meeting a lot of individuals on Black Planet that believe that follow after this worldview. You know, um, I don't know if you've heard of. I'm not gonna call any names, but not on the air anyway. But um, there's this one particular individual guy. Uh, he, he lives out in. Uh, out in the Midwest, and we've had some conversations over the past couple of months, and he's a part of the so-called intellectual conscious movement, and he's talked about being gods. And I asked him because I saw, you know, he was, you know, he, he was building some type of uh, uh, cleaning out his middle room, I guess, and he wanted to start playing, you know, doodling on his uh, his his keyboard. So. He said, well, I don't want to make it into, you know, a music room or whatever, so I'll just paint, you know, some musical, uh, not some musical notes because I don't know what a note is. So he decided to paint some, you know, musical energy or something of that sort. So that's what he did. And I asked him, well, how do you do that? And he says, well, you know, we're, we're gods. I never took any, any classes in, in art or any classes in this, that, and the other. But we're gods, and we do this, and we tap into that energy, and this, that, and the other. And it's always a conversation. It's always something about tapping in to some esoteric form of, of of power, some energy source that we all have access to, but we haven't realized it yet. Now, and I'm starting to see more and more blacks getting black men in particular, getting involved in that. You know, you, you look at the Hotep religion, you look at, um, you know, pro-blacks, you know, they always mention, and even a lot of your rappers from the early 90s, you know, I can remember when I was in high school, they they rapped about, um, you know, um, a lot of things that were positive from a worldly standpoint, but they weren't biblical. You know, look at KRS-One, look at his name. Knowledge reigns supreme. Well, what co- of course you know that it's not academic knowledge; it's esoteric knowledge. Right, right. You know, Big Daddy King, the King, the A, the N, the E. You know, King Asiatic, no one's equal. Where did he get that from? 
you know, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not putting any words in his mouth. This is what he said. In, in, in one of his rap, I'm pretty sure you've listened to Big Daddy King when he was popular. Yeah, and yeah, I did. So these are what they're believing. This is what they were, you know, MC Light. You know, I don't, I, I never listened to her because I, I don't really know her names, her her songs by heart. But she was a part of it. She, you know, Queen Latifah. She they they were all a part of this black. Um, Conscious, this intellectual conscious movement, and you know what, Dave? That's another um, radical uh, extremism that has entered the church. It has entered the church. When I see or hear uh, saints talk about God and the gospel the same way a new ager talks about the new age the New Age Krishna and, and so on and so on, when they say, oh, we got we to gotta come together and have one mind, okay? The Bible says, yeah, we all supposed to speak the same thing, be on the, uh, one accord. But what do they mean when they say one mind? Because even God said that the people at the Tower of Babel was one, of one mind. But their goal was to go against the commandments of God by sticking together in this one place after God say, go and replenish the earth. That means to go fill it up. But no, they wanted to stay in one spot. Also, how it entered, like, and again, I'm thinking when I hear some Christians, they use words like we got to, like you said, tap into this energy, this hidden energy, you know, uh, like I've heard a discussion of in uh right before I left Spirit Led, uh, mm-hmm. a guy named Robert Dickinson and another guy uh, talking about Adam, A D A M is the same as Atom, A T O M. Like, who comes up with this stuff? Who <laughs> with this 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 radicalized? ideology, you know, and then you explain it to them just from a book perspective, straight from a book. Well, you know, an atom consists of a nucleus and this and that, this and that, and, uh, you know, atom can draw particles to it, but it can also reject it. And what they're trying to say is that atom and A-T-O-M is same, and since Jesus Christ is the new Adam or the second Adam, he's he's like a atom, A T O M. I was like, Oh God! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Did, did they say that? Yes. Yes. <sighs> yes. That is what they are saying. I mean, that that's what they teach. They're teaching people this this craziness. You know, and you point you point these things out because you want people to be on guard against this type of uh, dogma. But they a lot of them fall right into it because either one they were dabbling in it themselves already. Yeah. 
or it just tickles their ears. You see what I'm saying? Oh, man, that sounds deep. Adam, Atom, oh, I can see it. I can see it. That you sounds ridiculous. That's what it sounds like. Right. You don't see nothing. Absolutely nothing. You don't see anything. You're seeing what you want to see. Because mm-hmm. when you compare the two together, they don't even mean, they don't mean the same. They don't act the same. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. So, yeah. 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 It, it, I, I totally uh, agree with what you were saying. But I, I just can't, but well, I can believe it because we're in those, in that time where uh, apostasy is running rampant. Even in the church, you know, you, you, even the Bible speaks on this. You you look at uh, Jude and then you look at First and Second, and, and especially Second Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4, and the time will come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine, but shall heap unto themselves or take unto themselves teachers having itching ears they're going to they're going to want to 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 hear a new brand of christianity which i call postmodernism and that's another form of radicalism postmodernist thought uh is a new wave of belief that has infected i'm not going to say affected but infected the church world, especially the institutionalized church world. You know, look, and I'm going to name some key figures. Uh, Rick Warren, Joel Osteen, Creflo mm-hmm. Dollar. You look at uh, Perry Noble. Look at Stephen Furtick. You look at uh, all of these so-called word of faith promoters, you know, teachers like Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, uh, Miles Monroe, who's dead um, Jesse Duplantis, and a lot of charismatic churches here in the city, and I'm pretty sure where you where you and, and Evelyn live, you know, they follow after these guys: Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Fred Price, Clarence McClendon, all of these individuals. They, they follow after them. They they even read their books. They even recommend to their the, the, to the members of their congregation their their books, and they're being swallowed up in this idea that we are little gods. And so since we're little gods, our words are powerful enough to affect our reality. So if you want good things to happen to you, don't speak negativity. Don't uh-huh. speak it into the, exa- the the atmosphere. You notice that a lot of ca- I've been to plenty of characters. I've even been members of modern-day Pentecostal charismatic circles, ministries, the deliverance, so-called deliverance ministries. And I've always heard, either it was the, from the pastor or whether it was from the members of the church, uh, this, this phrase, speaking it into existence or speaking it into the atmosphere. Ah, see, those, those, key, those key phrases I always talk about. And... Uh, I want you to pick up where you left off, too, after I say this. I, those key phrases you hear, the atmosphere, uh, chakras, um, man, I had so many. I had so many up here in my head. Atmosphere, uh, thrown into the atmosphere, the pink bubble. Um, <laughs> the pink bubble. 
<laughs> yeah, new oh, new thought, progressive. Uh, uh, look, give me another. One. Give me another one. It's so many out there. Those words that they that they use. Uh, knowledge is one of no gnostics. Uh, what's another one? I can't think of any. I can't think of any more. But when I do, I'll, I'll throw them out there. So go ahead. But see, all of this are tenets of Gnosticism. You remember, you, you look at the New Testament, some of the new, uh, well, all of the New Testament scriptures, uh, Paul was disputing against the, uh, the the people from the church or the, the, the cult of Diana, and then Gnosticism. They were all Gnostics. Right. They They were creeping into the church and corrupting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You look at the book of 1 Timothy, well, books of First and Second uh, Timothy, they were in the city of Ephesus, which was an epicenter of occultic thought. The whole city was an epicenter. They had uh, all kinds of Gnostic temples. They had all kinds of the, the temples from the Church of Diana. They, they, they had temple prostitutes all over the place. And all these people were starting to creep into the church. They were trying... They, they, they were creeping into the church of Ephesus there and they were beginning to corrupt the essential doctrines of the faith and that's why Paul had to write the letter to Timothy who was his son in the faith he was the pastor there at that church and he was a young man and he told Timothy to teach no other doctrine uh-huh. not only did he say that but he told Timothy in the second book of the same epistle to Preach the word. Now, there's an imperative. That's that's a, a command statement. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine, but they're going to heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. So, why was he saying? He wasn't just saying this because he was just trying to, to start a conversation. He was saying this because that was a problem in the church not only was it a problem in the city but it was a problem in the church they were creeping in they were and and paul also said that they're going to be in the last days uh perilous times shall come and they're, they're going to be this that and the other and, and of course you know the the passage of, the, of that verse but i want you to play close attention to the verse that i'm about to tell you um it says you know for the time will well not for the time will come, but uh, well let me go to that there first. The time will come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to endure now. The word endure there in that context means to put up with, put up tolerate. With, yep. yep. And so Paul was telling, warning Timothy, they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. They're not going to hear what you. They're going to they they're going to want you to to to, to, to teach them how to be rich. You know, live your best life now. You know, uh, pie in the sky type of uh, belief. You know, they're going to be people in your church that's going to believe in. They're not. They're not going to believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. So all of this falls under the the banner of radicalism, but it also falls falls under the banner of postmodernism. You know, uh, and so we're seeing a new type of Christianity. We're, we're not seeing the Christianity that's taught by the apostles. 
we're not seeing the Christianity that it was taught by Jesus Christ. What we are seeing now is what is called a paradigm shift, a shifting in beliefs, a shifting in uh, worldviews, a, a shifting in in values and thought. Yeah, like they're saying you know, that the church uh, is evolving, like the church has to evolve with the times. Uh, no, that means you want us to compromise. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not evolving. It's actually devolving because you're going backwards in your thinking. Yep. So this is what we're we're seeing, and so this is 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 paving the way to all the names that I just mentioned. You know, Perry Noble, who says, and I quote: "This is this is these are his words." The jackass in the in the, in the audience says, "I want to go deeper in the Lord." What? So you're you, you mean to tell me you're that because you want to go deeper in the Lord? Okay. I'm sorry. I was saying, what does that even mean? Who knows? But <clears throat> he says that uh, you know Stephen Furtick, you know, and all of these people are liberals. You know, the, the Rob Bell. You know, Rob Bell doesn't believe in the biblical account of hell. You know, he says, well, why would a loving God send you to hell? So well, we got how many more minutes? Because uh, it looks like we're at five minutes till twelve, which we'll oh, take. Oh wow! It, yeah. Wow, it is five minutes of. You know how you know how we do it, bro. Um, yeah, it's true. We're probably going to have to make this into a part two. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read some I'm gonna read some stuff to you, and this is dealing with the occult symbolism, and mm-hmm. I'm. I'm just going to give you little pieces of uh, this is from the Antichrist 666 Titan, book one, written by William J. Sutton. Uh, you should check it out whenever you get a chance. Uh, I've read it, not the whole thing as of yet, but I've, I've been reading through it. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Very interesting. And. Mm. Just like I do my Bibles, I'm, I'm highlighting in this book and I'm making notes. But uh, let's see. I'm gonna read this to you. This is from page nine. The first is the first chapter, in the third paragraph. He says, "The father of lies has invented." Paganism to counterfeit the pure teaching of the gospel. Can you expound on that? Wait, say that again. The father of lies has invented paganism to counterfeit the pure teaching of the gospel. Oh well, yeah, I, I can. That that's uh, we we see that in a lot of your churches. We see that in the Word of Faith movement. Um, Kethel, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland says that we're little gods. Um, we we can we have to speak things. As a matter of fact, he says that God was a man, about six foot three, six uh, you know six two, six three, with a, a windspan of six inches. What? You know, 
Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Copeland's wife says that we can control the weather. <laughs> oh, so she, man. She's going to be surprised when she see those four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth. Destruction. Yep. Destruction is soon to ensue. All right. Yeah, you know what? In the way I see that, I mean, the the paganism, I think that Satan created was something to counterfeit the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like literally counterfeit. We have mm-hmm. our Messiah. All these other religions out here, they have their Messiah, and their Messiah closely looks like ours, but is all of them are, like, mangled up. We got the true Messiah. So, and plus, with the um, confounding of the tongues at the, uh, at the Tower of Babel, it just added to the confusion. Now you got even more demigods and false gods and false messiahs in the uh, ancient uh, cultures. But uh, let me continue. Let's see. Let me find another page. Whichever one I land on. Oh. Oh, I think you're gonna like this one, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to make this a part two on esoteric uh, symbolism because. Uh, well, let me just read it. This is from page 29. Mm-hmm. And I have this, I have this uh, underlined, not highlighted, but listen to what he says here and tell me if you agree or disagree and expound on it. Okay. Now, now heathen philosophy says when Samarimus died, her spirit, like her husband's uh, Nenus, who is Nimrod, became immortal and flew up to the moon and took possession of it. She became the moon goddess, the mother of God, uh, uh, the, queen of, the queen of heaven. Uh-huh. When her godchild, god Tammuz, died, mm-hmm. the pagan queen, his spirit became immortal and took possession of the east star, Venus that appears together with the sun and the moon in the spring. This Ooh. Can, can we say... The, go ahead. Oh, can, can we say uh, the, the, the tumble... Well, the, um, the, the, the vernal equinox? There you go. Uh, I, I want to... Well, go ahead, because I, I wanted to get into something, but go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, oh, but yeah, the um, the vernal equinox, uh, and by the way, um, May first is the Beltane, which is um, what pagans worship. They they come together and they they um, you know they they come together on the, the that that particular day, but. Um, what I want to get into is is the fact that when the, you know the Queen of Heaven is was worshipped by the Chaldeans of the of the you know the Babylonians in Jeremiah chapter Jeremiah chapter four I mean chapter seven and forty four 
you know, the queen of heaven, and this is what the Catholics call Mary. You know, the Catholics call Mary the queen of heaven, who, ironically, is not Mary, but it's Semiramis. And uh-huh. they believe that she's the co-redemptress. You know, she died on the cross along with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ has to, it, 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 you know, their prayer, when a priest prays, it goes directly to the queen of heaven, and then she takes it, well, no, it goes to Christ, and it, she takes it to the queen of heaven. And, and, and by the way, the rosary, they made I'm her sorry? Over, they made Say her, again? they gave her authority over Jews? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they gave her authority along with Jesus. She's she's co-redemptress. She's sitting on the throne with Christ, and their prayers go to Mary. They worship Mary. They don't worship Jesus Christ, even though they'll talk about him, but they don't worship him, you know, like we would. You know, they worship Mary. And not only that, but the pagans, they also make reference to goddesses. They, they make, work, make work, um, references to the goddess of wisdom, who is um, either Lilith or Gaia or uh, Sophia. More importantly, it's Sophia. But they make references to her. And I want to get, uh, make this point before... Uh, you know, I, I let you you know chime in. Um, the Statue of Liberty is the goddess of wisdom, which was given to us by the French. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, uh, that's true. Um, and she's also known as the goddess of war. And destruction. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this Statue of Liberty, I've always called her a whore because that's what she <clears throat> truly represents uh, the whore of Babylon, mystery Babylon. And I can understand why some people would believe that America is Babylon. I don't hold to that wholeheartedly. I mean, I can see it being a type and shadow of Babylon, but the actual Babylon, my belief is uh, Saudi Arabia or Mecca. That's where I'm at <clears throat> with it now because of all of the evidence I've seen from the scriptures and all the, all of the nations surrounding and that are involved in the destruction of Babylon. But um, it's, 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 and that's funny too because we all, a lot of us who are uh, study heads, we know that uh, you have Islam, and this is pretty much birthed out of the uh, moon cult. You see, mm-hmm. and there we there, and there we are again with the moon as the object of worship, the crescent moon and the star. And this right. too and, and this was her this was her symbol. This was the symbol for uh uh who was it? Ishtar. Um and it, and I think it kinda it 
it went back and forth between uh, Samaramis and Nimrod because you would see Baal as Baal as like the, the the chief deity, but you would see him in a hieroglyph or something with a crescent moon. And then sometimes you will find, like, Asterisk, you will see her uh, on a hieroglyph with a crescent moon. And it's like that in the majority of the ancient uh, pagan cultures. Mm-hmm. But the Statue of Liberty, again, you know, uh, the conspiratorial view of why she was donated. I mean, if you look at and it, it makes sense, you know what I'm saying? Like, Lucifer was called uh, Lucifer for a reason. He's called the light, the light bearer, if you understand what that means. It's not that he has his own light. What it is, he bears the light of something else, or he brought it at one point in time as he was Lucifer. So they, a lot of the, like, the Rothschild and the 13 satanic families, as some may call them, uh, see Lucifer in his in his original form. You know what I'm saying? They 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 prefer to see him not as what a lot of people uh, identify Satan as, like a red devil with horns and a pitchfork or something like that, uh, or as a dragon. Like they they see him as a dragon too because. They use the dragon in many of their cult symbols, <clears throat> uh, but with that said, again, the Statue of Liberty at the top of her, she, she's reaching up into heaven and she is holding a torch. That torch is supposed to be a symbol of the eternal flame, which is Masonic. Mm-hmm. And at the base of, and I'm not, I'm, it's nothing that, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm not making this stuff up. You can go and look at the yeah. base and see a, a uh, square and compass where it was dedicated in dedication of the Statue of Liberty. So this is a Masonic symbol, and we know that the Masonic or Masons are associated with esoteric knowledge. Yep. Yep. And all of the secret societies are are dedicated to the proliferation of uh, esoteric knowledge. Exactly. And looking at all of this, uh, looking at all these things taking place, radicalism has reached far into the church and the political realm, you know what I'm saying, the world and the church, and I am starting to see how the beast and the woman are going to ride upon earth soon as one entity for a short period of time, because we know that the radicalism, the radical side, or the political side, shakes the woman off and eats her flesh, as the book of Revelation says. So the world will truly be under lock and key, under one person's control. And the majority of the world, unfortunately, at that time, uh, 
well, I won't say at that time, but I'll say uh, there will be a remnant on earth who will preach against this at one time. I mean, like, it will be global, and every single one of them will be targeted for assassination. So you will you have the believers and you will have the unbelievers. And the unbelievers will be the ones who worship the beast. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. They will worship the beast. And not only that, I mean, they will take his mark. And we was talking about DNA manipulation earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I've come to believe that transhumanism, and I've commented this, I said something about this or hinted at it on one of your posts in the Bible study group, mm-hmm. um, that transhumanism is actually something that may be associated with the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. Because the people who worship the beast and they accept his mark, they're no longer redeemable. Why? Is it because their DNA has been manipulated? They're no longer human, so they can't be saved? I, I, and that's where I'm at. That's what I believe is based off of what I've, what I've researched. You know, hmm. I know mm-hmm. some some people say that it's not a literal mark. It's not a microchip. I think it's a literal mark. I think, and I and I apply it not one dimensional, not even two dimensional, but three dimensional. I believe it will be a symbolic mark, uh, separating those who follow God and those who follow the devil. Right. I believe I believe it would be a literal mark, a barcode or a digital bar scan or something like that on the forehead or the right hand. And also believe it will be a nanotype technology where alien DNA will be introduced through that microchip into the human DNA, which would, in this case, explain why in chapter 6 of Revelation where he says uh, about the pale horse, that he was, he, the, the pale horse, the rider of the pale horse was given a great sword to kill mankind with the beasts of the earth. And that mm-hmm. word beast, that word beast is translated from the Greek word cherion. I remember it by heart. That's how many mm-hmm. times I looked at it. But it's called cherion. And cherion is a word that talks about beast of the earth or it talks about men who have literally lost their mind, their humanity. And... Yeah, it's and and looking at uh, further in the scripture where it says that the people who had the mark they grew great sores on their body. You know what I'm saying? 
Like they couldn't they couldn't uh like everybody who had the mark they grew like it was a grievous sore at when one of the angels poured his vial out. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's some type of physical physical biological connection to the mark of the beast. I mean, you've already explained the DNA all the way down to as small as molecules. Hmm. And you've already explained that nanotechnology is something that's truly on the rise because it is. Mm hmm. To introduce the mark of the beast, you know. Uh, if it's a literal microchip, you know they can do it because they're doing it to animals now. And even some humans have accepted a microchip and inserted into their body. But it doesn't help in the case of evolution because evolution says that man is evolving. And we're looking forward to a better human, uh, what they call it, uh, uh, transhumanism. Like merging, but this trans or this evolution is going to be manipulated by man, like forcefully done. Hmm. Oh, so yeah, I'm gonna end on that one, bro. Well, all right then. Um, this is a very interesting topic that we've covered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. Um, I was going to get into uh, my work as a writer, you know, writing science fiction and fantasy and all that, and um, Christians not, well, not all, everybody, but uh, certain Christians that I've encountered looking at me like like I was crazy and saying things that, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be writing stuff like that, but uh, I might... The legalist. Yeah, the legalist. But uh, I'm gonna save it for part two. Yeah, I, I would love that one. I would love that one because yeah, it's a lot of self righteous Christians out there that I mean I know they probably mean well, but you know what I'm saying like we got to preach about fixing problems within the church mm-hmm. and maintaining relationships. Yeah. Not yeah, that's, that's relationships. Not dividing friends. Not dividing family. Not dividing. Mm-hmm. If your idea is to divide people from one another, that's not biblical. No. No. Not biblical. Mm-mm. Nope. But yeah, very, very and, good show, bro. We got to do a part two. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. Um, as soon as I get off the phone, I'm gonna see if I can schedule and do this right this time. Um, you know, a part two probably for the following week, and then I'll. Uh, talk on it. We were supposed to be doing that podcast with your wife, aren't we? Yes, yes. She wants to get together, and uh, we can talk offline about that. Okay. Um, well, it can't be next week then. Well, if it is going to be next week, it's probably going to be Saturday or uh, next weekend. 
I think um, she wanted to meet up Thursday. No, the show is going to be Thursday. But I think she want to want us to link up like every day next week to go over the material and stuff. Every day next week. Okay, uh, that's going to be Monday. Monday, Tuesday, up until the podcast. So uh, I got a camera, fortunately. So I got to download Skype because I had it, but I, I didn't. Um, I, I got rid of it. So, uh, and I already. Uh, do you know what website I could use to download an internal microphone? Not my area, bro. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> You're asking the wrong one. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm gonna have to ask Evelyn then. But um, yeah, you get something from uh, China if you ask me. Okay. Uh, but I think I, I um, rec- um, downloaded something to that nature. It's called Record Pad Sound Recorder. And, Never heard. Uh, of <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all I know, all I know is that I downloaded. Now I don't know anything about this, so um, I'm probably gonna test it out um, like tomorrow. But uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm just gonna get everything ready, and hopefully, I'm gonna probably try to uh, advertise the part two uh, as soon as I get off the phone with you, and um, you know, go from there. Okay. But yeah, it's been a great show. Uh, hope everybody was listening. If not, then you could check out. You can download it onto your computer and listen to what the both of us have to say, you know, stumbling and bumbling and trying to find out how this thing works. No, I'm kidding. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's 1220, so um, this has been a great show. And, uh, brother, uh, until next time, you know, you, uh, you know, keep the faith and uh, God bless you and your family and, uh, you know, until next week. Amen, bro. You going to pray us out? Yeah, uh, I'm going to do just that. Father, uh, thank you for being with us during this time of study in your word and and be with us uh, as we uh, prepare for bed and uh, bless our families and protect us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, bro. Nice show, and uh, man, I can't wait to part two. Yeah, right, I can't man. either. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, you too. Grace and peace. Bye.